take your Bible and let's go to one passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 12. I believe that God has key men in key places. Uh, and I believe we are headed toward a great end-time revival. And uh, I, I could... How, how, how much do y'all want to get into this? Now, I've never been here before. and I used to evangel. I used to be an evangelist. I know it usually takes about three services to connect. The preacher's looking at y'all, and y'all are looking at the preacher, and it's like a cow looking at a new gate. And we're going to try and figure it out. We only got one night together. Now, if I do real good, maybe I'll get invited back. But, but we can, I could just give you a little sermon. I've been around a while. I can do that. Or we could tap into something bigger. Amen. Well, I, I just, I just, I felt a little direction right there. So we're going we're gonna to change. In fact, I'm just going to preach like I'm at home. I'm going to preach what I preach to my church. I just felt a direction right now. I want you to, you know what, you just may be seated. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to put your Bible down a moment. I want us to pray for about two or three minutes. And I want you to pray that God would open up your understanding. Not that I have some big revelation, but I believe the Holy Ghost wants to speak in this end time age to key churches and key people. I believe God wants to anoint every believer in this room. Would you lift your voice right now and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost? God, I ask you right now to begin to do what only you can do. God, you are the supreme one. You are the holy one. You are the one that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the riches in glory. God, I pray that a manifestation of your power would move into this place right now by the authority of the name of Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. Somebody begin to clap your hands and give God praise in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, I feel like something good's going to happen tonight. God's going to speak a rhema word to somebody. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Take your Bible. I'm going to change. I just felt an unction of the Holy Ghost. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. And uh, let's read verses 26 through 29. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Amen. Jesus is giving a series of parables. And uh, we're going to read a parable that is only four verses long. Verse number 26, and, and he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise up and rise up night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. Everybody say, he doesn't know how. In other words, something's going on that's mysterious. Let me just interrupt the text and tell you, you don't have to have it all figured out. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't understand it, he's working. Amen. And he said, sleep, rise, night and day, the seed should spring up, grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the air, in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Everybody say the harvest. the harvest. 
Amen. I want you to notice that there is basically two jobs of the man. The first job is to scatter the seed. The second job is to reap the harvest. The stuff in between is out of his control. And I believe that is where I'm just going to pick up where I left off Sunday night at my church. I feel like God is doing something in the Apostolic Pentecostal Church right now. And we have been living in a season of frustration. But I want to tell you, there's more than frustration taking place. I believe God is working in ways we have not even imagined. And I don't know you and I don't know this church, but I know what I feel in my heart right now. God is going to speak in this house. Could you give the Lord another hand clap of praise before we're seated? Hallelujah. Let's give God praise for what he's going to do and say today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I do count it a high privilege to be here. Uh, and I, I don't say that lightly. Uh, I know I know what uh, God is doing in our local church, and I know the role your pastor has, has played in helping us uh, in at least two or three occasions and, and using him. I pray that in some way I could be a blessing to you today. I would title this The Growing Seed. The Growing Seed. That's not an original title. In fact, uh, many commentaries and commentators literally give these four verses that very title, and I don't have to improve on it because I think it is an apt description of what is being told. Uh, these four verses contain the only parable that is peculiar to the Apostle Mark. No one else shared this specific uh, parable. Uh, there are those that say it is a continuation of the earlier portion of chapter 4. Uh, that is the parable of the sower. And yes, there are connections and some similarities. But uh, the, the main point of that longer, larger parable about the sower is it was really not so much about the sower as it was about the soil. And uh, if, if you would say these two are connected, I would agree with you, but I would, I would add an addendum that this is specifically about the latter category of the first parable, that this is about the seed that falls on good ground. Because something happens when the seed of the Word of God falls on good soil. And uh, it has been given the title that I give it, the parable of the growing seed. Let me borrow from that from all of the scholars before my time, but I would add that I would say the kingdom of God is growing. And uh, by the time I'm done tonight, this has been burning in my spirit for the last two weeks. I had no idea uh, even today on the way over here that I would preach this, uh, but just it's percolating in my soul, so God must want this out. The kingdom of God is growing in the earth today. And I just want to say that uh, it cannot be stopped. The kingdom of God cannot be stopped. It doesn't matter who gets elected or who doesn't get elected. It doesn't matter what wars or rumors of wars are going on. It doesn't matter what COVID pandemic comes along. It doesn't matter what Hollywood says. It doesn't matter what the culture says. The kingdom of God cannot be stopped. The kingdom of God is breaking in. It suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. And you may ask, well, where is it? Well... I could point to a lot of things. And some would say, well, the kingdom of God is, is the church building. And, and uh, I, I guess I would agree in one sense that the kingdom of God, uh, the, the, the church house plays a vital role. Right. 
The way God works in the earth today is he works through the triangulation of the written word, the preached word, and the spirit of God. And those three come together in a local church, in a community. And there that triangulation of faith begins to work in that community. And believers are perfected and are edified. And the church and the kingdom expands. But we learned during the last number of months that the kingdom of God was bigger than brick and mortar. I don't know. I never lived in Indiana. And I, I wasn't here during COVID, but, but I live in a crazy place. <laughs> the land of fruits and nuts. You don't know how crazy it is. And it has been a challenge. And it has, it has been where neighbors would call and report if you had, they were counting cars in the parking lot. And uh, it's been a crazy ride. And I've got friends in parts of the world today that are locked down more today than they were a month ago. They can only have 15 people at a church service. Brother Doug Walker, a dear friend in Calgary, he's having to have three services every day and bring 15 people at a time at 9 o'clock, 1 o'clock, and 5 o'clock every day of the week because he said even if they shut us down, we're not going to forsake getting together. We'll find a way so when you pray just because things may be open for you it may be closed for somebody else but I want to tell everybody in California and Calgary and Kenya wherever you may be do what you gotta do but the kingdom of God is still growing the kingdom of God is not meat and drink in other words, it's not tangible, but it's more, it's more than that. There's more going on in that. That had to do with ritual ceremony. He was saying, I know you get focused in your religiosity and all of your faith journeys of meat and drink and all the ceremonies that all of the Jewish people had gone through. He said, that's not what the kingdom of God is. Because I got news for you. I told my church Sunday night, I know it's good to be back. And boy, we've grown during COVID. We've come back bigger than when we went into it. We had seasons where we couldn't have church in the building. But I want to tell you something. If an earthquake shook the building down and we had no building, the church is still going to keep on keeping on. Because this is a growing season. Amen. Man, I feel like I'm at the Rock Church today. Man, y'all must have the same Holy Ghost I got. Hallelujah. But what is the kingdom? It's righteousness. It's peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Anybody got the Holy Ghost? It's not bound by a priest, a wafer. Some wine, a building, an edifice. But the kingdom of God will work on your job. It'll work at the grocery store. You'll be standing between the pickles and the mayonnaise and the Holy Ghost can get on you. You can be driving down, uh, down the road and just start talking to God or be on a, on a lunch break and start telling somebody about Jesus and you feel the witness of the Holy Ghost. You know what that is? That's the growing seed and it's growing through you. I know that's nothing new, but, but let, me share, let me share something that got me on this journey. I have been reading, I'm almost completing uh, it at this point, but uh, I should have already been done, but I'm, I'm reading it too deeply. I'm reading a book that was the 2020 uh, NUMA Book of the Year by Dr. Daniel Ramirez called Migrating Faith. Uh, Daniel Ramirez is the uh, professor of history, Christian and religious history, I believe is his title at the University of Claremont in Southern California, who happens to be an apostolic uh, believer. And he began to do an intense study. Uh, this is highly relevant for the location where I'm a pastor because of California being close to the southern border. And he began to study and research 
Pentecostalism in the United States and Mexico in the 20th century. It's an incredible book. I highly recommend it. It was called by Numa Press, the 2020 book of the year. And as I begin to read the stories of what happened post-Azusa, he traces Pentecostalism in the apostolic realm of Jesus' name, people. And I was amazed to see the power of God work in the midst of times of crisis. I have not really even thought much about the situation of the post-Azusa, post-Arroyo Seco revival where the revelation of Jesus' name came at that camp meeting outside of Los Angeles. And I begin to read and begin to hear the story. And I want, I want to share with you tonight what I shared with my church on Sunday. Dr. Ramirez traces the evolution of Pentecostal apostolic history through what are called the Mexican people and what in California are called the Chicanos that have spread throughout. He begins to trace a transnational growth of apostolic Pentecostalism. This is going to preach in a minute, but I want you to get this with me. And he begins to show the apostolic Pentecostal response, listen to this, to war, revolution, political opposition, segregation, prejudice, and pandemics. I said, what in the world? Because all I keep hearing is there's never been a day like this. And I've come through what we've been calling unprecedented. And we've been telling each other that. And as I begin to read Migrating Faith, I begin to see God at work. Nothing could stop the kingdom of God to the early apostolic believers of the 20th century. They preached what happened to them at Azusa. They preached the revelation of Jesus named baptism so much they would begin to sing. I enjoyed the singing. My God, can I just stop and tell, don't ever lose our Pentecostal worship. There is something that happens in a Pentecostal worship service that doesn't happen in any other church. I don't care if it's a new song, an old song, an out-of-date song, or a progressive song. Something happens when an apostolic Pentecostal begins to sing. There is something that happens. One of the ways, there hadn't been a lot of books written about our apostolic history after Azusa and after Royal Seiko. But what Daniel Ramirez began to discover is those apostolic believers... Like G.T. Haywood and many others, they begin to write songs about the name of Jesus. Songs that I had never heard because I didn't grow up in a Spanish-speaking world. But they, they begin to study. He began to research, he and his team. And he discovered that they, these, these believers that got the Holy Ghost and then got the revelation begin to write songs. And that became... The archaeological, archaeological remains of that Arroyo Seco Jesus name revival. You say, how could that be? They begin to find these songs being sung throughout Central and South America. Of how a Jesus name song left Los Angeles and began to travel and it, it, it began to affect the community that they begin to mock these apostolic believers and they call them the Alleluias. They said, oh, you know those Alleluias, those, those crazy folks, they get to singing and fall out talking in tongues. They said, they're the Alleluias. And he began to trace the path of these songs and communities in South America, thousands and thousands of miles away. And it was the archaeological remains of showing where the Jesus name message had gone. But it was amazing to see that these seeds of apostolic Pentecostal faith were being planted from Wales to India. From what was known, I'll let you part of my, my world, Sonora Town. 
Anybody ever heard of Sonora Town? Brother, back there, Sonora Town. Sonora Town's a community in what we know as Los Angeles today. See, here's the history that I didn't know. I heard all the Azusa stuff, and I heard the, I heard the Royal Seiko, and then the Elton, Louisiana, and the C.P. Kilgore, and all of that group, and the G.T. Haywood, but, but I'd never heard about my Spanish brother's history. And see, some of the very first people at Azusa were the Mexican employees of the McNeil Construction Company who lived in Sonora Town that had been hired to clean up the place where they were having church. And it was them, some of the very first ones, after William Seymour began to preach and they began to experience the Holy Ghost, some of the first believers, you never read their books because they spoke a different language, but they received the Holy Ghost and they beat us to the Jesus name revelation. If you travel to California, you travel through the San Joaquin Valley called the breadbasket of the United States. You will see church after church after church of Pentecostalism as those migrant workers spilled out of Sonora Town, newly filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And they begin to plant the seeds of apostolic faith throughout the San Joaquin Valley. And in that process... Juan Navarro, Luis Lopez, Antonio Nava, Romana Valenzuela, a woman, began to sow the seeds of apostolic doctrine. But here's the reason I'm bringing this to your attention. 1906, the San Francisco earthquake, the West Coast was shaking and reeling and the fires that spilled out. But it wasn't just California that was shaking. A Mexican revolution was starting. While us north of the border didn't pay a lot of attention, Mexico was being shaken to its core. In fact, many of the atrocities you see today done by the cartel were learned during the revolution. Except they were done by the government as bodies hung from telephone poles and uprooted, hear me, one million people. Fleeing from their lives, for their lives from central Mexico and guess where they headed? North. War, violence, earthquakes. A transnational movement began. And while everybody's forming their positions in the 1920s, the roaring 20s are starting. And zoot suits and all the above. Hollywood and New York and Chicago and prohibition are shaking our nation. And south of the border, a war is going on. And one million people are moving. See, this isn't the first time there's been transnational border crossings taking place. But what I want you to see is that we can all dig into our political points and in our Americana. I understand all of that. But what I want you to see is we're part of something bigger. We are part of an ever-expanding kingdom. That the Apostle Paul said in Acts when he's preaching at Mars Hill. He said he made of all those of one blood. And he said God hath determined the times appointed and the bounds of their habitation. In other words, he appointed the time and the place they would live. And God was at work as one million people. As a, as a civil war and a revolution. And then north of the border. Capitalism. Agricultural capitalism. Was pulling people. And using people. But in that mass of people fleeing for their lives. And coming for work. Hundreds of them. Began to receive the Holy Ghost. And hundreds of them got baptized in Jesus' name. And then persecution began to hit. The Mexican Revolution was followed by, again, we don't know much about it, but the Cristero War. Pay attention. Where churches were shut down by the Mexican government. 
And every priest not born in Mexico was kicked out of the nation. Vestments of priests could not be worn in public. The host and the communion elements were fed to the horses. The icons in the churches of Mexico were used as target practice and the nuns were raped by the soldiers. And churches and religion under President Calles began to shut them down. It didn't just affect the Catholic Church, which was 97% of faith in Mexico. It even affected the Protestant churches, even the newly sprung up Pentecostal movement. So now people are fleeing from persecution against the church. One of those men, Brother Nava, Brother Nava got the Holy Ghost. He got baptized in Jesus' name. He received death threats. He was arrested in Mexicali, thrown in jail. One historian said, but the jailhouse simply provided Brother Nava with more opportunity for evangelism to sow the seed. Political resistance rose up. Are you okay? I told you I'm acting like I'm at home. And wouldn't you know it, a Mexican Revolution, the Cristero War, that wasn't enough. Then guess what happened? A pandemic hit. The Spanish flu. And an epidemic called tuberculosis. And now the government began to shut churches again. And in 1927, charges were brought against Pastor Pedro Cesenceros, who pastored Apostolic Temple in Mexicali on the border of California and Mexico. I quote, These are the charges that are brought against Apostolic Temple and Pastor Pedro. The religious practices of the Fe Apostolica de Pentecostes. They give themselves to repugnant, fanatical acts. They are contrary to the most elemental requirements of hygiene. Because they are prisoners of a type of spasmodic fervor. They affect contortions and roll about. They were literally charged with being holy rollers. The charges went on to say, they are not known for their cleanliness or sobriety. Their meetings become true, notice this, become true sources of infection. They said they're gathering together and spreading tuberculosis. Does any of that sound familiar? When I tell you that God is working today, we have precedent that God has already worked in this environment. This ain't a new devil. She just got a new dress on. This is not a new war. This is a spirit that has been coming against the apostolic church for a generation prior. But I came to tell the world, you can't stop us now. You didn't stop us then. We're about to have a revival. Politics couldn't stop it. War couldn't stop it. Earthquake couldn't stop it. Tuberculosis couldn't stop it. President Caius couldn't stop it. I began to read Dr. Ramirez's book. And while the Mexican Revolution was raging and one million people were running, a little lady named Sister Valenzuela got on a train and headed right into the war. You know what she was doing? She got a message that this is a perfect time to tell people about Jesus. And she began to plant the gospel in the middle of a war. I wonder who God's raising up right now. I wonder who's getting saved that's going to turn the world upside down. Man, while politics and war, assassinations, revolutions, disease, while all that was going on, the seeds of the kingdom were being scattered. Because guess what happened? (laughs) All those hundreds of thousands of people that were coming over 
for freedom and work and jobs. The American government instituted a, a repatriation program and they started sending them back. And guess what? The ones that got sent back had the Holy Ghost and guess what they did? They came back and started scattering more seed. What I'm trying to tell you is just pick up your paper. Do they still have papers? We got Middle East war going on. I was in Mexico last week. I was at the caravan migrant camp. I'm watching a duplication of a hundred years ago. And I'm watching the upheaval in my state. And I'm looking at all the political issues of our nation. And I'm looking and I'm comparing a hundred years ago. And all I hear God is saying, if you'll keep your focus on what you're supposed to keep focused on, I'm in here somewhere and I'm doing things that are going to bring about a revival. I can't explain why Doug Walker has to have three services every day and can't just have one. But he told me, he said, Brother Young, it's the craziest thing. My 15 people are bringing people with them. He said, because the Canadians are sick of the lockdown. And they're saying, we just want to go where anybody's doing anything. And he said, I got visitors coming to church that would never have darkened my door. So while it looks like to us, everything's bad, God's scattering seed three times on Monday, three times on Tuesday, three times on Wednesday. Not just Wednesday and Sunday, but the seed is being scattered. Do I like it? No. Do I like everything? No. Do I have the answers? No. But I tell you, God is not troubled by one thing that's going on in our world today. So here's what we do. I'm almost done. Here's what we do. Let's just scatter the seed. I don't understand all this stuff. I don't understand how it works. And then no matter how much I gripe, they ain't fixing it. And it don't make sense. Today, I got so mad, I had to leave my house at 345, put on a stinking mask. I walk in, I got to stand six feet away. So sometimes I just get five just because I'm ornery. <laughs> then I got to hand them my ID. Then they tell me to pull my mask down. Put it back on. Then they dig through my stuff. Breathe all over it. <laughs> then because I have, then I, because I have two metal knee replacements. I get a free massage every time. I told one of them one time, I said, I don't even know your name. Then I got to go wait outside of a gate six feet apart. And every time that fuzzy mask makes my nose itch and my nose start running. So I'm pulling it off, wiping my nose, putting it back on. Then I go get on the airplane for six hours, and they say, oh, if you're eating, you can take your mask off. But then when we land, they say, keep sitting. Evidently, you can't get COVID if you sit down. And then, then, then we got to maintain six feet. We've been in a plane for four hours, breathing the same air in a tube. We're all sucking out of the same straw. And then they dismiss us five rows at a time. And then we got to separate. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 
I don't have no answers to that. It just seems like the more I talk about it, the madder I get. But you know what? That's not my job to fix it. Because I guess the best vengeance I can get is do what you want to me, baby. There's a God that's working in spite of all this. There's a God that's going to work even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Why? Because there's a seed that has been sown in the earth. Oh, here's what I like. This is what I like. He said, you scatter that seed. Did y'all pay attention to what he said do next? He said, sleep. In other words, you ain't got to worry about what happens after that. You just go to bed. So what I told the Lord the other day is I said, hey, I preached, I sang, I prayed, I witnessed, I'm going to bed. I ain't going to worry about it anymore. You're going to be up anyway, so you never sleep. You're going to be up. You worry about it. And then I get back up and guess what I do? I go sow some more seed. Then I get home and I go to bed. You know, when you've sown seed, you can sleep at night. If you hadn't been sowing seed, I hope the Holy Ghost haunts you all night. I hope you toss and turn. But when you get to sowing the seed, I'll tell you what Anderson needs. It needs a bunch of farmers. It needs a bunch of sowers. That tomorrow, whether it's from Indianapolis all the way to here to Anderson, wherever your work is tomorrow, just start scattering seed. And then lay your head on the pillow at night and know that God is working. And the point of that history lesson through Mexico is to show you that no matter how bad it got, they couldn't stop the apostolic church. Musicians come. See, while, while all this has been going on, it's crazy. Don't make sense. God's not in trouble. The church is not in trouble. Folks, I, I, I'm looking. What's the name of this church? First Pentecostal Church of Anderson, Indiana. Y'all, y'all having revival. I watched y'all have church. I, I, I saw your parking lot services out there. I saw your little cool podcast. I saw all those. <laughs> Folks, don't lose your mind in all this stuff. It's working. Your church is growing. You're a part of what God is doing in there. This is not a day to backslide. This is not a day to compromise. This is not a day to pick up and run or give up on your preacher or your leadership. This is not say, hey, pastor, it's working. My God, we're having a revival. What do you say? We get involved in this thing. And while we're doing what we do, God's doing what only he can do. I'll come back and preach a better message sometime, hopefully, but I just, I just kind of felt, I want you to expand your faith. I want you to expand the way you think. The seed is growing. I don't know how it works. I don't have to know how it works. All I have to do is scatter the seed. And here's the amazing thing is that God said the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. What that means to me is whatever is going on in the earth, God caused it. Remember where it said, let the, let the waters bring forth. The stuff that came out was already in there. And even though you don't see it in the soil of Anderson, Indiana, there's revival waiting to spring forth. There's fruit waiting to spring forth. 
say, well, I, I don't see how I can be. That, that's not our job. Our job's not to figure it out. I, I don't have to know how this thing works. I don't have to know how electricity works to turn on a light. I don't understand why God does things the way he does. I close with this story. Let me sit down. I'm going to close with two stories. Is that all right? Yeah, if you have to sit down, sit down. I'm going to tell you one from a few years ago, 10 years ago, and I'm going to tell you one from 2020. 10 or 11 years ago, I was in Central America and was there ministering and decided I'd heard about a little place called Roatan, which was an island 30 miles off the coast of the mainland. And I talked to my wife and kids and in-laws. I said, hey, I'm going to be on the mainland, me and Dr. Wilson. We're going to be there. Why don't y'all fly and meet us? And we'll, we'll take a few days R&R before we come back home. And we'll see this little place and, and enjoy just some time on this island in the Caribbean. I'd grown up going to Central America, so I knew it would be beautiful. But I'd never been there. We were there for five days after I'd preached on the weekend on the mainland. And I got there and I just felt drawn. Something there was a God thing in there. I, I didn't understand. Didn't know one soul on the island. Never been there. The last day before we were to come home, I decided I, wanna, I wanted to rent a van and take my family around. I had been touring it on the, a little scooter. It was only 30 miles long and 3 miles wide, the island. And I found out I could rent a van on the other side of the island, about a 30-minute drive. So I hired a taxi, taxi 314. Never forget the number. It's about a 30-minute ride. Brother Johnny King and I got in the backseat of that taxi, and the man could speak broken English. And we began to talk, and about halfway through the ride, I found out he was a Trinitarian assistant pastor. And I felt the Holy Ghost say, talk to him. And I said, man, what kind of church do you go to? He said, an assembly of God church. I said, so, oh, you know about the Holy Ghost. He, he stopped at the lightning board. He said, I speak with tongues. I said, good. I said, how do you baptize? He said, in water. <laughs> I said, what do you say? He said, I say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I said, okay, good. Uh. What's the name of the Father? He looked at me. I said, what's the name of the Son? He said, Jesus. I said, what's the name of the Holy Ghost? He said, hmm, these are good questions. I was about to get out of the car. We pulled up to the place where the van was. But the king got out, and I opened my door, and I felt the Holy Ghost say, push. I closed the door, and I said, his name was Fidel. I said, Fidel. And I took him through a Bible study. That was in May. I live in California. He lives. I got on the plane and went home. I got his phone number. In August, I got a call. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was Fidel. He said, Pastor, let me tell you what happened. My phone rang at 3 o'clock this morning. I answered it. No one was there. I hung up. I went back to sleep. He said, it rang again. Nobody was there. I hung up. The third time I said, who is this? And he said, a voice said, listen to the pastor. He will tell you truth. This is God. He said, can you come baptize me in Jesus' name? I'm ready to obey. I flew and baptized he and his wife. On Friday night, I opened the very first service on that island and made a mistake. He was my interpreter. I laid hands on him fell out. I didn't have anybody to interpret after that. <laughs> but since that time, over 400 people have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and over 500 have been baptized in Jesus' name. It started by casting a seed on a vacation. Stephen Jones is preached here. I don't tell you that story to brag on me. 
I've never baptized 500 people. I've never prayed through 400 people in one revival. But I won one taxi driver that initiated a revival that shakes an island. You have no idea who you're going to meet on your job. You have no idea who you're going to sit by on a plane. You have no idea who you're going to sit by that's waiting on your table. You just cast the seed. That could be the soul that starts a great revival. I want to lift your thinking. I'm done with one closing story. 2020, the most challenging year of my ministry. I'm at the church. I step out. My phone is on my desk. I come back. I see my phone. There's a number I didn't recognize. I listen. There was a voicemail. Pastor Young, this is so-and-so, neighboring pastor, who I had met one time. One time. Five years ago. One time. Everybody say one time. I had met him at a church anniversary service with Brother Brad Allard who's preached here. I called Brother Allard and I said, hey, let's go. Let's go to that anniversary. I've never met that guy. Let's go. So we went. That was five years before. I'd never talked to the man again. I don't even know how he got my cell number. He said, I need to talk to you. Would you mind coming to meet with me? And I'm thinking, man, neighboring pastor, somebody's quitting his church coming to mine, or somebody's having an affair with somebody in his church. You you know what I'm talking about. It's like this ain't going to be good. He said, no, I I need to talk to you. So he said, could you come meet me? He said, I want you to see my church. I got over there. He said, Brother Young, he said, you don't know me. He said, "Uh, I'm going to have to leave the ministry. He said, my health is he said, I haven't been able to preach for about four months. And he said, I was asking God, I think he said six months ago, what I do? And he said, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, turn this church over to Brother Young. And he said, I don't even know Brother Young. He said, so I wasn't going to say anything. But he said, two weeks ago, my wife was praying and God spoke to her and said, your husband's supposed to turn this church over to Brother Young. Now, that don't sound like a big deal to y'all. But what he didn't know is he knew this part. I had started a church in that northern area of our city a number of years ago and had turned it over to our youth pastor, who was now the pastor. And he had been renting different storefronts and places through the years and was trying to buy a church. But because there was not enough money and because nobody was wanting a loan during COVID, he's out of room in his little church that we had started a few years ago. And I knew I was going to have to front the money or sign for the loan for this church. And I'm thinking, God, I don't want to do this. And I didn't tell him that, but I said, oh, we'll get together on it. Well, I'll be back. You know, I'm working on some stuff. And I'm really just dragging my feet because I didn't want to go into debt on, on some other building on the other side of town. In the middle of, I don't know what COVID's going to do. And that pastor said, you know, Brother Young, he said, you obviously... You've had a burden for this area, and, and your guy is not far from here. He said, what, what do you think if we turn this church over to you and you put your man in? I called Brother Pizarro and said, hey, buddy, uh, we may have a church deal worked out. Hold on, don't, don't, don't sign any papers on nothing yet. So I went and started looking at the building. million building paid for newly remodeled with a house on the corner a commercial kitchen and a license to do resale I said what are you doing he said brother young I don't know you and you don't know me but the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said turn it over to brother young What we also didn't know is the very same week there was another pastor that retired next to Brother Pizarro, my former youth pastor's church, and he got up and announced to his church, folks, I'm retiring. I want all of y'all to go to Brother Pizarro's church. 
And in one week, we stepped into a paid-for $1.6 million building, and three churches came together. And a church that was running 40 is now running over 100 people in a paid-for building in the most expensive real estate in my city. Now, y'all ain't shouting, but that's as much a miracle as walking on water. And guess when it happened? In the middle of COVID. In the middle when churches were being shut down. In the middle of pandemics. In the middle of confusion. God was working miracles. I didn't see that. They didn't see that. Not one person even knew each other. We were all three in different organizations. God don't care about all that junk. He's got a kingdom that he wants people saved. And he's working when it looks like everything's wrong. He's still working. It's the growing seed. It's time to put the sickle in. Get ready. Get ready, Anderson. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. Your backslid children are coming home. Your lost loved ones are coming home. New ministries are starting. I don't know what you normally do on, on Wednesday night. I know my ministry may be different. And I probably scream too much for some of you. But, but can you feel my heart? I feel a revival in this church right here. I didn't bring revival. Revival's already here. I already feel it in this place. I got a feeling something big's about to happen. I got a feeling. Hey, I've, I've already seen God do the miraculous. I'm sorry, I got to tell you one more thing. Two weeks after that happened, Brother Casey sees who was a pastor working with Wilson University. He walked up to me and said, Brother Young, there's another church. Get ready. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, I can believe God for one miracle. I don't know if God can do two. Within two weeks, Pastor Jose Alvarado approached me. He said, I need to meet with you. I met with him. Long story cut short because you're already standing. I became the co-pastor of a Spanish church in my city. Another building completely paid for. 200 people. 20 minutes from my front door. From a Spanish organization. So while everybody's cursing 2020 and cursing politics and wars and pandemics, God said, you just be faithful. I'm doing miracles. So Anderson, I don't know what you've been fighting. I don't know what you've been facing. But lift your eyes. Lift your hands. And claim the promise. Get ready. Miracles are coming. Miracles are coming. Miracles are coming.